The title of my message this afternoon is called Refuel Your Faith. And I have two kind of learning outcomes that I intend to try and convey today, and that's to strengthen and reignite your faith, but also tear down every conceivable fear so that we can walk in freedom. Amen? Amen. Because both fear and faith believe in something that's not yet happened, but they both have two very, very different sources. And before we get into the word this afternoon, I'd like to read a quote from the inimitable Nelson Mandela. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that frightens us most. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and famous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that people won't feel insecure around you. You were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us, it is in all of us. And when we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our very presence automatically liberates others. We also know in, in Romans 10, verse 17, that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So let's get stuck into the Word of God this afternoon. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn to Psalm 77, verses 7 through 9. Psalm 77, verses 7 through 9. Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will He never again be kind to me? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Have his mercies permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door shut on his compassion? How many of us know that our feelings and our emotions can deceive us? Amen? You know, we've got to, we've got to mark, we look at two things, faith and fear. When I have faith, the, like the biggest imagination I could possibly have on faith would be England winning a penalty shootout in the World Cup. That is like super high levels of faith. Fear is every time Arsenal start a football match. <laughs> We're playing at the moment. Heaven knows what the score is. But our emotions and our feelings do deceive us. They can cause us worry, fear, doubt, and anxiety. Perhaps they can lead to situations where you feel lonely, where you feel worried, what are you carrying today in your own life? The psalmist here is very clear. He felt the same. He was nearing the end of his faith. He was asking God for help and deliverance from his difficulties. And he expressed very, very clearly how he felt at that time. He felt rejected, alone, and afraid. And when we are faced with situations in life, we have two options. We can turn away from God in anger, in bitterness, in frustration, or we can continue to read the psalm. So Psalm 77, if you drop your eyes down a few verses, to verses 11 through 14, where the psalmist says, But then I recall all that you have done for me, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly on my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. O God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power amongst the nations. 
It's those verses there that we must allow to penetrate our hearts and minds so that we can be motivated for God's sovereignty. We must continue to praise Him and honor Him through every trial, every difficulty, and every struggle that we're going through. And like each of us, the psalmist knew his own weaknesses. He realized that he needed God. Does anybody here need God this afternoon? Amen. And yet in the midst of his trial, he made a clear and a conscious decision to trust completely and wholeheartedly in the Lord's goodness, faithfulness, and sovereignty. He continued to praise him. But he also made a concerted effort to reverse his heart attitude to his trial by remembering to focus on all good things that the Lord had done over the years for him. Instead of focusing his eyes on his problems, he meditated on God's ability to overcome them. He stirred himself up and he motivated, encouraged himself, and therefore he increased his faith from the inside out. So we must do the same. Amen? We must learn to do the same, to change our focus, that we must go upwards and not inwards. Instead of looking at how God has apparently let you down and apparently rejected you, focus on praising him in all things because he has been faithful in the past and he's never let you down before and he won't start today. Because God is willing and open to changing your situation. We are simply too loved and too valued by him to be forgotten. And we can stand on a promise we find in Jeremiah 29, not verse 11, which everybody knows by heart, but verses 13 and 14. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I don't know about you guys, but do, just doing life is a lot of hard work, right? We have jobs, we have careers, we have ministry, we have responsibilities, we have family. Just keeping all the plates spinning takes a lot of your time. You're on the phone, you're at work, but we've got to include God in every area of our lives. God is not just resigned to time on Sunday or time in your cell meeting. He has got to be in every area of your life. Worship is not a 20-minute set at the start of a service. You being at work on time is worship to God. Amen? When we consider everything that God looks for us and God wants to bless us with, he is willing and he is able. For us to attempt to do life without God, guaranteed that we will fail. We need spiritual energy and wisdom. Here is a pitfall to avoid. Never think or assume that the skills you have are a substitute for God's input. You know, I look around the room, I know many of you here, super talented people, super smart, IQs of 200, if that's possible, for one or two of us in this transept. We have good jobs, we have high levels of intellect, but we have to include God in every area of our lives. If we think we can get through life without including the Lord, we will fail. And all that will do is perpetuate the situation. How many times have we said, God, I'm using too much energy, I'm tired. We need his energy, we need his grace. We have to ask him to bring life to our spirit. We read in John 6:35. then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never grow hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And so I want us just even now just to ask the Holy Spirit into our hearts, into our lives. 
as we mediate on the Word, as we read the Word, He can saturate our lives with His love and His grace. Amen? So let's keep our hearts open. Let's stay receptive because God wants to change our situation. He wants to turn it around for His glory. So as we read and listen to the Word, you will hear it with your heart. As we mediate, we will reflect on Him. And as we pray out Scripture, we must pray out each verse and not just say the words, but allow it to penetrate deep into our hearts. And as we rest, we rest in His presence because God wants to turn our life upside down. He wants us to live in a supernatural life and not the natural limited realm that this world has to offer. Remember the word says, my kingdom is not of this world. The just will live by faith. However, consistently in our lives, we don't live by faith, we live by sight. We look at what's in front of us, the rent, the bills, the text messages, the emails, the work responsibilities. And we don't include God in any of that process. We just got to get through this and got to run from pillar to post and do everything all the time. And more more often than not, we don't include him. Or, Or we give him a token effort, a token level of input, but we expect him to bless us. We read in Acts 2.16 that the Holy Spirit had fallen and they had stayed in Jerusalem until they got power from on high. And on that day of Pentecost, they received that power. And yet the world judged them by their worldly standards. They were living a life like a Christian. And that's like many of us today. We live our life pre-Pentecost, hoping that things will work out, but not really having faith for it. We've been Christianized, if I can use the expression, When Christians, however, truly pray, we ensure that things will work out, whereas a non-Christian merely hopes. So we have to open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit to get a radical outlook on how to live with supernatural dreams, supernatural visions. And for that, prayer is crucial because the Holy Spirit is always guiding us and always directing. And every dream you have is His dream. Remember that your dreams will always align with His dreams. And supernatural breakthroughs will become the norm in your life. They won't just be sprinklings here or there where, oh, God blessed me here and then nothing for three months. Oh, God did something there, nothing for a week. You will live in the supernatural. You will live from grace to grace, from favor to favor, from testimony to testimony, from blessing to blessing, from breakthrough to breakthrough. But we have to actually believe it. We have to have faith for it. We actually have to have faith for it. The kingdom of heaven is coming to earth. When we walk by faith and not by sight, we will see life, we will see our world in a very, very different light and perspective. Everything and everyone will be seen differently. You will see things the way the Holy Spirit is seeing things and not through the natural lens upon which you look at your life. And so I can hear a few of us saying, well, listen, matey, I'm doing that. Nothing's changing. Or I'm still going through these trials. Let's turn to Hebrews 10, verses 35 and 36. Hebrews 10, verses 35 and 36. Therefore, do not cast off your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Listen, friends, trials, which we all go through in life, are not proof that God is slow to deliver on his promises. Not proof. 
but it is evidence that he is moving you towards higher ground. He's taking you further. He's taking you deeper. And we have a kingdom-centered promise there to lay hold of, that as we build that endurance, as we don't get discouraged, we receive that promise. In 1 Peter 1, verses 6 and 7, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I know in my early days as a Christian, you know, you always want to avoid God's ways of maturing you. I probably still have some of that in me now. <laughs> we always want to avoid God's ways of maturing us because we all want change, but we're not often prepared to go through the process of the change. We just want the change. But we've actually got to go through that and endure that. We always have to pursue the way that leads to discovering how life looks through the lens and eyes of Christ. Remember that you are his prized possession. God never sets you up to fail. Never. Don't ever allow that lie to creep into your heart. It's not true. He will only want to grow you, and he will take you only into conflicts that he has equipped you to win. However, I think the best example would be patience. Lord, give me patience now. <laughs> but often, God will put things in us, like time capsules, to be released over time, so they do not distract us from his purposes for our lives. And as I said last time I spoke, the further you go with God, the less you can take with you. And the biggest risk to this is compromise, where we compromise our faith. Compromise is the welcome mat, if you like, to deception and insecurity. And it is merely false security being exposed in your life. Our obedience is not measured by our ability to obey laws and principles. It is always measured by our response to God's voice. Today's freedom is the seed for tomorrow's perfection. And remember, if you don't have your mind on the ultimate, you will always, always, always be driven by the immediate. I'm sure there are people here now. What time is this guy finishing? Football's on. Got to get back. Kids got to get fed, whatever. We're always driven by the immediate if we're not looking at the ultimate. We've got to look at our life in its entirety because God never gives us a command that he cannot carry out. Consider the man with the withered hand in Mark 3. He obeyed and God did it. God did it. Psalm 13, verse 5. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. And we read in Ephesians 5, verse 20, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. That's the good stuff, the bad stuff, the neutral stuff, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what he's saying there is when many things seem to go wrong in our lives, trust me, when life feels like it's getting out of control, or maybe it is out of control, trust me, these are supernatural responses, and they will always lift us out of our circumstances. Because if we do what naturally will come to us in the human mind, in the human thinking, in our difficulties, then we will always fall prey to negativity. A few complaints here, a few complaints there, will set us on that downward spiral by darkening our mindsets and our perspective. 
with that attitude, guaranteed, the complaints will flow. You ever meet those people? All they do is complain. Nobody in this church is like that, obviously. Not a single person. I've never met anyone that's ever complained to me about anything, ever, at any point in my life. They're just outside, right? But they just complain about everything. You know what's happened? They've fallen prey to negativity. Their faith is not strong. They've been gripped by the immediate. They've been gripped by what's happening in their life right now. And that's the totality of what's going on in their heart. But when we're on that, we're on a downward spiral. And one negative thought, one complaint will lead to a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth. The lower you go, the faster you slide. But it is possible to apply the brakes. Because as we cry out to God, He will affirm our trust in Him, regardless of how we are feeling. So we have the opportunity today to be strengthened in our faith, to give Him thanks for every situation that we're going through, even if it seems unnatural or even irrational. God is pleased by our faith. Gradually, we will begin to ascend. We'll begin to recover the ground that's been lost. And then when we're back on level ground, we can look at our circumstances through the lens of Christ, and we can start making supernatural, Bible-centered, godly decisions that will ultimately bring reconciliation, bring order to that situation, and bring Him glory and praise. Because if we choose supernatural responses when we go through trials, and by trusting and thanking Christ, we will experience His unfathomable faith. Amen? There's a tremendous portion of Scripture in, in Isaiah 35. It's a, it's a wilderness portion of Scripture. You can read it in your own time. It's quite an extensive portion. And it's a, it's a reflection of the spiritual environment. And it's speaking at a time when Israel as a nation were going through hard times. The land was barren physically and spiritually. Those people there had questioned God's promises. Has anyone here done that? Questioned God's promises because He's not delivered when we want Him to deliver. He's not done what we've wanted Him to do when we've wanted Him to do it. And therefore... He's no good. He's not worthy anymore. He's not worthy of our praise, worthy of our thanks. And yet the prophets were used there in Isaiah 35 to proclaim God's word. We must obey and follow his word. The prophets knew that these people would be brought back from exile. Good news today, friends. God wants to change our wilderness and bring us back to where we belong. Amen? But Isaiah 35 is also a passage of restoration, a path of revival. I believe that God is sending a wave of His Spirit here in the church since the striking of that match in November last year. I think God is sending waves of His Spirit, waves of His grace and His love. And when wilderness begins to bloom, we know that the rain has come. Torrential rain is useless in the desert. If the ground is hard and brittle, it won't seep through. We need gentle rain that can be softened. And so the analogy here is the ground is like our hearts. If our hearts are hard to God, then His grace can't pour in. His love can't pour in because we've grown cold to God. We've grown hard. Our faith has been eroded over weeks and months because we're no longer trusting in Him. We're no longer trusting in His abilities to uphold us. But God wants to touch our lives. The rain represents God's mercy and His grace. Everything that was dormant in the soil suddenly springs to life. The initial response of any human heart when you see growth, when you see life, joy. Because God sets the times and the seasons. He is in full control 
of every area of our lives. Jesus himself said in Mark 11:22, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. If someone says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will happen, it will be done for him. For this reason, I tell you, whatever you pray and ask for, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Know this, your faith has the power to move things, change your situation, turn it around for good. Faith has the capacity to move mountains. And today, God wants to impart more and more of his faith into us. Faith is not a mechanical thing. It's always relational, always relational. The measure of your faith shapes and defines the measure of God's favor, abundance, and the richness of his blessings in and through your life. The more faith you possess, the greater potential for greater blessings and increase. Seek and ask the Lord to guide you and increase your faith, and he will. And I want to touch on who you really are as a son and a daughter of God today, because I've sensed that some of us have lost our value because our faith has been eroded and decayed over weeks and months, where God is no longer the supreme authority in our lives, where we're struggling because of situations, we're struggling because of circumstance. Isaiah 61, verse 10. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. We must have faith in Christ today, faith in his goodness, faith in his plan for our lives. He freely gave us his goodness and he always sees you as his child. He knows and sees your potential and your good works. And he has planned for you as you walk with him and trust him, because your value to him and with him is priceless. So never allow anything or anyone to make you feel worthless. You are a long, long, long way from being worthless. God created you unique and special in his perfect image, and he has a plan for your life. He's given you assured hope and a promise for a brighter future, a great hope, and he's given you gifts and talents that you can use to touch people's lives. So who are you blessing with your talents and your gifts today? Or are we not using them because our faith is low? Because regardless of what others say or may say about you, it is crucial that we never see ourselves as a failure. You always see yourself as a person who God loves. He loves you unconditionally. He cares about every aspect of your life. And he always will, because he replaced our ugly sin with the beauty of his goodness. He sees you as forgiven and cleansed, whole, complete in him. Remember that you are clothed in his righteousness, and therefore his goodness is reflected in all that we do. We read in Luke 17, verse 5, the apostles themselves said to the Lord, increase our faith. So if the apostles needed more faith, how much more do we need today? The apostles wanted their faith to be increased. Every one of us here should ask God for more faith. As we ask for him to revive us and refresh us, invigorate us, he will give us yet more. 
the true beginning of faith is when we actually realize we don't have much. It's tough, but it's true. When we actually realize we don't have as much faith as we thought we had, that's often the first step. And that's where God wants to pour himself into our lives. We read in Hebrews 11, verse 6, Without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We read there that the passion that this writer has is that we all draw close to God, that we can come to his throne, throne to find all the help that we need, that we come to him confident that he will reward us with everything that we need in Jesus. And it is clear what he meant in Hebrews 10, 22, let us draw near with a true heart in the fullness of faith. So that's not a measure of faith. That's not 40% faith or 60% fullness. That's everything, totality. And that's where God wants to break in. That's where God wants to break out in our lives. He wants to increase our faith, but we've got to build up that appetite for it. We've got to believe that we've got more capacity than we actually have for our faith to increase than it currently is. We read in verse 19 where he says that we have the confidence to enter the holy place. That is the holy of holies, like the inner room in the old tabernacle of the Old Testament. That's where the high priest would meet with God once a year and where the glory was descended. And that drawing close looks like this. It is simply directing our heart to the presence of God, who is as distant as that holy of holies, and yet as near as the door of faith. He's commanding us to come. He's wanting to draw close. We know in James 4, verse 8, if you draw close to God, there's a promise. He will draw close to you. Because in His presence, you will discover one thing. God promises only one thing, Himself. Nothing else, Himself. And that is sufficient. A lot like our senior leader was saying today, the gospel needs nothing added. The gospel is sufficient. Being in his presence is sufficient. We cannot measure God's love towards us by our circumstances. In Psalm 16, 11, in your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I pray even as I've been speaking this afternoon, that you will even declare Psalm 42, verse 2, My soul thirsts for God, the living God. When shall I come and appear before you, God? He wants to do a deep work in our hearts today. He wants to strengthen us. He wants to uphold us. He wants to pour more and more of his goodness into our lives. But we have to be ready to receive what he wants to give us. We have to be open. We have to be expectant that God can pour his grace, pour his faith into us so that we can live that supernatural life that he calls us to live day by day. You are an incredible vessel for God's glory. But when people see you, they have to see Christ. They can't see a kind of partial picture of Christ. They can't see a diminished version of his power. They can't see a limited ability of his love. They have to see the fullness of it. And for that, we need faith. We need increase, we need power, we need his strength, we need his presence. And in his presence there is fullness of joy. His presence. Nothing else matters, friends, 
Bible is so clear. Without faith, we can't please God. You could argue faith is the perfect answer. Sure, it points to a perfect God. No problem. And I know that our God is good. I know that he's good. He's never failed us before, so he's not going to start today. And so we have an opportunity today to place our trust where our trust has been earned, in him, in his promises over your life, that he is exactly who he says he is, and he can do exactly what he says he can do. And so the limitations I find in my own life, they're always set up on our side of the equation. When we say we limit God, or, or God has no ability to do this, or God is never going to break through on that, or God has never done this for me, done that for me, it's our limitations. It's usually our brain, our mindsets, our attitude, our heart, past experiences, etc. But when we actually just get out of the way of our own lives and just allow God to be God, He will fill us, and we will walk as faith-filled Christians. And when people see us, they will see something so tangibly different, because we're not hoping, we're expecting and there's an expectancy. There's a, there's a healthy expectancy of being in his presence. And then, and then we're able to make the impact that God wants us to make. But for that, we need to be open and receptive. 